0: Welcome to the Open Bible Podcast, a
1: resource of Church of
0: the Open Bible in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. In this episode, Pastor Jay and Pastor Joe discuss the doctrine of sin. What is sin, and why is it so serious? What are some of the consequences of our sin?
1: Hello, church and guests. This is Pastor Jay Hines and Pastor Joe Sorgen welcoming you to another episode of the Open Bible Podcast. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. On today's episode, we will be looking together at chapters thirty-four to thirty-five of Charles Ryrie's book, Basic Theology, which begins section eight on the biblical doctrine of sin, and it does that by considering first of all just the basic concept of sin, and Ryrie looks specifically at the 20 Hebrew and Greek words for sin in the Bible. I think that's a good place to start. We obviously won't look at all of them, but why don't we start there? What are some of the biblical words for sin and, and what do they tell us about sin?
0: Yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know how to pronounce any of these words because I don't know Hebrew or Greek, but I'll give it my best shot. So uh, in the Old Testament, of course, that's where we find the Hebrew words for sin. And uh, and one of them is chata. And the the basic meaning of of that word, and it's the, it's the word that's used most often in the Old Testament, 522 times, uh, about and and the meaning of that is essentially missing the mark, and uh, and I think that's that's one of one of I think the clearest definition of, of sin as well, but it, it paints a, a really clear picture. You know, if like say in archery, if you're aiming at something and you and you miss the target, well, you've missed, but not only have you missed the target, you've also hit something else. Uh, so, so it kind of paints this picture of not just passively missing something, but also actively actually going a- and, and hitting a different spot. So you're not, you're not hitting the mark that God set out for us to hit, uh, you know, his, his rules, his commands, but instead we're actually hitting a different mark and, and living in disobedience. So that's a, that's one definition, mm-hmm. one word that's used in the old
1: Testament for sin. Yeah. And in the Greek the most common word in the new testament for sin is hamartia which basically means the same thing missing the mark and it's helpful to think of Romans 6 or sorry romans three twenty-three, that talks about falling short of the glory of god that's another good way of thinking about that um, god's glory his character his his holy character separate from all sin and how that is revealed in his moral law and how we miss that mark right of his of his glory and of his his perfect um uh, law and his perfect standard. So yeah, so those, those would be two really important words. One Hebrew, one Greek. What are some others?
0: Yeah. Another Hebrew word is the word raw that's used about 444 times in the old Testament. And the basic meaning of that Ryrie says is breaking up or ruin. And it's a word that's most often translated wicked in the old Testament. And uh, uh, obviously that's used mm-hmm. quite often then in the old Testament describing different actions, different Different sins are, are maybe considered wicked, and others are just considered sins. Um, but uh, but the point is, regardless of the sin, there is this wickedness that's involved. This um, obviously wickedness is, I would say, the the opposite in many ways of of holiness. Mm-hmm. Um, if if you're wicked, you're you're far from holy, and so uh, we see that sin is is not holy. It is not good. It is not other. It is wickedness.
1: Yeah, and wickedness also reminds us that sin is not just a mistake, or it's not just like, you know, a neutral oops, but it's evil in its character. Uh, another word that's not used as much, but it's, it's it's important, I think, because of some of the passages where it's used, and again, an image that's really important is the Hebrew word ta, which uh, has the idea of wandering away or going astray, and probably the most well-known passage where that's used is Isaiah 53, 6, where uh, the prophet says, we've all gone astray, uh, we've, we've gone our own way, and he uses the idea of like sheep, right? Sheep are just constantly, by their very nature, wanderers, right? Wandering away from the shepherd, and that is what we have done as well, what, what sin involves. We look into that a little more, that relational aspect of it, but I think that's also an important Hebrew word. Uh, in the Greek, there's a, there's a number of other words, um, kakas, which has this idea of just moral badness, basically, or paneros, which then has more of the sense of moral evil, um, and, and many others as well. But let's maybe move on from that. And just while those words are helpful, how would we briefly define sin? I mean, I think Ryrie says we could just put these 20 words and what their meanings all together and get this really big definition. But I think we can narrow it down. And actually, there's a passage, uh, Joe, that you're going to, looks like you're going to read here, 1 John 3, 4, that gives us the very succinct, basic definition of sin.
0: Yeah, this is what it says in 1 John 3, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. And uh, and that's obviously about as succinct as it gets, and it's a, a right from the Bible. Describes for us what what sin is. It is Lawlessness—it is breaking God's law, uh, defecting from His standards mm-hmm. is, is how Ryrie puts it, and I think that that really sums up what sin is. It's God set these things in place, and and we have broken uh, that, and and we therefore are lawless.
1: Yeah, and I think something that makes it so tragic is that uh, God is is our Creator, and so He knows what's what's best for us right? And scripture is very clear that all God's commands are for our good. Uh, Deuteronomy 10, 12 to 13, we see that. But also that uh, definition in 1 John, well, if you read a little bit later into chapter 5, verse 3, it talks about his, God's laws, his commands not being burdensome, right? He, he knows what's best. They're ultimately for our good. And I think that's helpful because then we start to see the depths of sin. It's, it is disobedience to God's law, but it's not, it's not only, maybe we would think of it as like um, someone, you know, uh, a ruler in a nation, a king, making these laws, putting out these rules, these edicts, and people disobeying them—that's that's one thing that obviously is is wrong. But I think it's more helpful to think about it like a father who loves their children, or maybe a benevolent, a very benevolent father-like ruler. and and has given these rules, these commands, because of that love and saying, I know what's best for you. I'm telling you this is the best way to go. And then to see those children disobey, uh, that really gets at the heart of of what's going on here. Uh, It's not just I'm disobeying a law when I sin, God's law. I'm disobeying God, a person, it is personal. And that really takes us to another question then, why is sin so serious? And specifically, who is sin ultimately against?
0: Yeah, so kind of like you were saying, sin is, is so serious because it is personal, because it's rebellion against God. Uh, and, uh, you know, just to consider that God in his love and in his grace uh, created us and we continually choose to sin over and over and over again, rebelling against him. Well, that that's a crazy serious thing for the creation to rebel against the creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's... That's crazy, and and we see this picture of sin ultimately being against God. Of course, we, we know if I punch Jay in the face for no reason, I've sinned against Jay in some way, but ultimately, in doing that, I've sinned against God. We see this in uh, Psalm 51, and this is, of course, a very well-known psalm. It's after David has, first of all, uh, committed adultery and then committed murder to cover it up. And uh, this is what he says in Psalm 51, verse four. He says, against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. So David's saying there, it's only against God who um, he has ultimately sinned. Of course, has he sinned against Uriah? Yeah. Has he sinned against Bathsheba? Yes. But ultimately at the very root of it, he has rebelled against God. By doing those things,
1: yeah, and that's what makes sin so tragic and so terrible and so ugly, and and so uh, wicked. It's it's not just disobedience to a law, God's law. It is defiance mm-hmm. against God. So it's not just even the child whose parents are giving them these good rules for their own well-being and they disobey. It's 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 also a defiant in a sense shaking their fist at the parent and saying looking them in the eye and saying I will not comply right and and <laughs> any of us who are parents know exactly the difference that is right with just a child who who kind of misses the mark who, who makes a mistake who uh, as a and uh, disobeys in, in the heat of the moment maybe and and a child who looks you in the eyes and says no I'm not going to do what you say there's a much more personal relational element there. And one way I've thought about this that I've also found helpful is thinking about it like treason, right? That, that's much more personal. It's, it's high cosmic treason against the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's saying, uh, even though you are my creator, even though you're my redeemer, who's, who's made it possible for me to be saved from my sin, which of course we'll look at another time. Nevertheless, I am going to defy you and do what I say. I'm not going to allow you to be uh, in control of my life. I'm going to be in control. You're not king. I am. I'm replacing you. I'm, uh, in a sense, every time we sin, we are enacting a coup d'etat against God and putting ourselves on the throne rather than him. It's that defiant aspect. And that's really what makes sin so serious and so, so ugly and so wicked. I I've always loved John Bunyan's uh, quote, uh, a quote from him, his, his sort of definition of sin, that really gets to that. He says, sin is the dare of God's justice, the rape of his mercy, the jeer of his patience, the slight of his power and the contempt of his love. Sin is serious because it is disobedience and defiance against God, our creator, our redeemer, the king of the universe, And as Christians, the one we call father as well. Well, with that sort of general idea of what sin is, what then are some specific sins uh, that the Bible mentions? And there's actually a number of places in the New Testament where we're kind of given almost these sin lists. And I think it's helpful to look at some of those just to get some concrete examples of what sin is.
0: Yeah, so one one example is actually a list that Jesus himself gives when he's talking about what actually makes a person unclean. And he says, well, what makes a person unclean comes from within. It ultimately comes from the heart. What makes someone unclean is sin. And this is what he says. He says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting wickedness deceit sensuality envy slander pride foolishness all these evil things come from within and they defile a person that's in mark chapter 7 verses 20 through 23 but we see that that list in there that Jesus gives of what different sins are I'll, I'll just read uh, those again it says come evil thoughts uh, and and as you know as we look at these it's it's easy to all of a sudden realize Yeah, I'm guilty, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, evil thoughts, who hasn't been guilty of evil thoughts, sexual morality, and the word used there is pretty all encompassing for all sexual sin, Uh, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, that's another big one, foolishness, all these evil things are sin, they come from within, and they defile us. That's one list.
1: Yeah, another would be in Galatians where Paul gives the works of the flesh, he calls them over our sinful desire. And uh, there in, in Galatians 5 verses 19 to 21, he says, Now the works of the flesh are evident sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Now, again, none of these are definitive lists, but they're, they're getting at the, some of the specifics uh, just to awaken us to what sin can involve. Um, what, what are some other lists? Another list, and it basically lists many of the same sins, mm-hmm. but
0: uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, uh, it says this, uh, starting at verse 9, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor revelers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I love how it ends. I'll read it just because it's uh, it's so good. And such were some of you. Mm -hmm. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our
1: God. Yeah. Another list that came to mind when we were... Uh, preparing for this is in second timothy three and here it's describing just the kind of sinful behavior that will just be, continue to increase in these last days between christ's first and second coming it says for people will be lovers of self lovers of money proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self-control brutal not loving good treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Wow. You know, how can we read these and not be convicted? Mm-hmm. I think we all would agree. Uh, one other I just want to touch on because there's there's something really helpful in this is, is in Romans chapter one. Mm-hmm. And Paul begins his letter of Romans by first of all, just showing that all mankind, every one of us Um, have sin in our lives, are sinners by nature and choice, and therefore are guilty and in need of Christ's justification, his righteousness. But uh, specifically in verse, then he says in verses 29 and on, uh, they were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. Now, what really strikes me always when I read this is, first of all, that last line, right? That sin, uh, in a sense, is is contagious right as we sin it can it can spread to others especially when trying to justify our own sin we actually encourage other people and improve other people's sinful behaviors but it's in the middle where he says inventors of evil that i find very interesting especially when we're looking at these lists of sins it's, it basically reminds us that this list in some sense is limitless right there's always more evil we can invent more ways to disobey God's good commands and defy Him and His good purposes and plans for us. And again, I think that just uh, helps us realize how serious sin is and just how reckless sin is. And, and in a sense, too, that we shouldn't be surprised. You know, like I think sometimes we hear of something uh that maybe we've never even considered before, and it's so wicked and evil and corrupt. And and yet there shouldn't be, in a sense, any surprise, right? Like what what else would we expect uh, when this is, what's at the heart of, of us? Uh, which something we'll look at, obviously in, the, in a couple of podcasts ahead. I think we all agree when we read these lists, certain sins are more acceptable and even respectable than others. I think, uh, I can't remember who it was, wrote a book. Um, someone wrote a book called Respectable Sins. And basically it's looking at some of the sins on these lists that we tend to think aren't as bad as others. So in Romans 1, the two that really stand out to me as being tending to be more acceptable and even somewhat respectable is gossip and slander. Uh, I, I just find, and I'll be honest, even for myself, how easy it is to be in a conversation with someone about another person especially in ministry, maybe talking to another ministry leader or someone in the church, and there's genuine concern for someone and their spiritual well-being and about something that is we see in their life or maybe a problem, a sin, and to go easily slip from genuine care and concern and just basic information so that we can pray and minister to them and know what we need to do to crossing the line into gossip and saying things uh, that if that, that person was present and in the room, we would never say, or also slander, uh, saying things in such a way as to tarnish that person's reputation intentionally or sharing more details than we need to, or even sometimes sharing things that aren't we're not even sure are true uh, with, with a malicious intent. I think that that can happen so easily. And I just gotta say this, I think in this past two years during COVID, I've seen more gossip and slander than I ever have in my life, whether it's what people say or whether it's on social media, where there's gossip and slander about politicians, about healthcare people, about others who disagree with uh, a partic- you know, the person's particular view on things like restrictions and government and vaccines and whatever, pointing fingers, gossiping, saying things. Uh, that are not our business to be saying publicly, slandering, saying things that we have no proof are true or not, uh, pointing fingers at people, um, you know, basically calling into questions people's intentions when we have no idea what their intentions and motivations and hearts are. I think that's one thing that uh, is definitely would be classified as a somewhat acceptable, respectable sin that we tend to just kind of brush off is no big deal, you know, and and we just think about, um uh sort of the around here sort of we call it the coffee roll mentality where every day christians get together and just blast other people and gossip and slander without any thought to what they're doing and just so harmful that is it's sinful and it's a terrible witness mm-hmm. and uh, i'm convicted myself of that as well uh, that would just be one example i think but wouldn't you say too that often we tend to downplay the sins of the heart
0: yeah i i I think so you know like uh anger would be an example Mm -hmm. i think you know that's not anger isn't always necessarily an outward thing it's often just a sin of the heart and uh, i know for myself sometimes i i can have anger boiling up inside about about someone or something and uh in some ways we can think that that it's acceptable right Mm -hmm. because uh it it hasn't actually come out it hasn't revealed itself to to others, but we know that God knows the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. For one, yeah. uh, He knows that that anger maybe is welling up inside towards this person, and of course, we're talking about unrighteous anger here. Um, but uh, yeah, I think oftentimes we we kind of downplay those sins that aren't aren't visible to mm-hmm. to the human eye, uh, and anger is just just one example. And there's so many other examples that we. We justify often and and Mm -hmm. say are acceptable or respectable. Lying's another one. Yeah, Uh, you know, oftentimes, oh, it's just a white liar. I'm just stretching the truth a little bit to make this story so Mm -hmm. much better. Yeah, um, and and on and on we can go for sure. Um, Yeah, Yeah.
1: and that really I think is a good transition to the next thing we wanted to talk about is just the different biblical categories of sin. So, sin is not just actions that are against God's word that are lawless. It's also our thoughts and our words and our attitudes, isn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly. And I think Jesus really gets to the heart of this in the Sermon on the Mount. You know, he, he says, like, you've, you've heard it said, do not murder. And he's like, well, you've heard right. But again, bringing up anger, um, if you're angry at someone in their heart, well, you've, you've essentially committed murder uh, in your heart. It's not just the outward actions that matter. It's these, these thoughts and attitudes of the mind. Same, he says the same thing about adultery says you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. That's correct. But if you've uh, lusted after a woman in your heart, you've committed adultery with her as well. Again, these these thoughts and these attitudes of the heart uh, matter just as much. They're just as much a sin as as committing uh, that that sin of adultery or that sin of murder. You're doing the very same thing by uh, by being angry or or by lusting. That's mm-hmm. just uh, two examples mm-hmm. there of of the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart and how. Uh, they as are, are sin, even though you maybe didn't speak anything or actually physically do anything.
1: Yeah, which Jesus said in order to kill self-righteousness, the self-righteousness of the Pharisees. You know, Jesus said you need to um, exceed, right, their righteousness because their righteousness was self-righteous. It was all about just outward actions and not about the realities of the heart. Absolutely. And then, you know, later on in Matthew 23, then he talks about the, that corruption and he uses these very graphic images of a cup that looks clean on the outside, but inside is filthy, right? Or a whitewashed tomb that inside is full of dead man's bones. And sadly, um, when we miss that, we can so easily be filled with self-righteousness. And um, so, yeah, so sin is involves thought, words, deeds, the attitudes of the heart. Also, there's these two categories of sin that are often given that have to do with sins of what we call commission and sins of omission. Sins of commission would be um, doing what we are not supposed to do, I guess you could say, or breaking actively uh, one of God's or any of God's commands. And uh, in James, we, we see that, for example, uh, in chapter 2, verse Ten says for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has been guilty of all of it right so there's that failing to to follow god's commands breaking his commands that is sin and that's i think that most people tend to think about that when they think about sin but there also are sins of omission Mm -hmm. and that is failing to do the things that god commands us to do right not not just um doing the things God's commands tell us not to do, but not doing the things God's commands tell us to do. And that is very clearly spelled out also in James chapter four, verse 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him, it is sin. And it's important for us, I think, to recognize these two categories, because talking about excusing sins, we tend to rationalize, I think, and excuse sins of omission. Mm -hmm. And we just, we're just so focused on, oh man, I broke God's commands. I shouldn't have done that. I did something wrong. How often are we convicted for the fact that we failed to do what's right? Yeah. Right. I mean, for example, uh, a a really obviously massive sin these days is sexual sin. And we tend to really emphasize that whether it's pornography um, or fornication, adultery, whatever. And, and we just make that a huge, huge issue and we feel so guilty about that, as we should before God. But then meanwhile, don't even question the fact that, have I ever shared the gospel with anyone? Do Is making disciples of Jesus even on my radar? Well, yeah, well, I'll, I'll get around to that eventually. Or, well, you know, I'm not really an outgoing person. I don't know if that's really for me. Or, you know, we make all these excuses and we, and we don't really feel guilty. I'll get around to that sooner or later. Sins of omission, failing to do what God asks, tells us to do, is just as much sin, just as much defiance against God as uh, doing what we're not supposed to do. And there's so many examples of these sins of omission as well. Like you even think
0: within the Ten Commandments, uh, you know, God says, honor your, your father and mother. That's, that's another classic sin of omission. If you're mm-hmm. not honoring your father and mother, uh, you are not doing what God has commanded you to do. Again, sharing the gospel, that's a, a good example. Another one is, um, you know, uh, when, when it says, like, honor the emperor and uh, and pray for your your government leaders and things like that. Again, if we're not doing that, that's a sin of omission. And, and there's many, many examples mm-hmm. of, of these different sins, commission and omission.
1: Yeah. And one that came to mind for me uh, specifically is in Philippians, because I've been thinking quite a bit about Philippians and how we are commanded there to, for example, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. If we are not joyful in the Lord, it doesn't mean we're fake happy all the time, right? Or that everything's hunky-dory. It just means we're joyful that we know Jesus Christ, that he is sovereign over everything, that he saved us. And so even when things are bad, we can still have reason to rejoice. If we're not rejoicing like that, we are sinning. And on the flip side, Paul says in Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked, twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. <laughs> that was so convicting to me and, and I'm sure many of our listeners as well, right? That when we are failing to be joyful in the Lord and rejoice in the Lord and be positive in the Lord and we just grumble and complain, uh, we are committing sin against God and we are being a terrible witness as as Paul says there. So uh, just another example of, of sins of omission and also sins of the heart of attitude, mm-hmm. right? Well, finally, let's just close up now by just looking at s- considering some of the biblical consequences for sin. Now this could be a whole podcast on its own, but let's just quickly just in closing review uh, some of the the consequences of sin, uh, consequences of sin in the life of unbelievers who do not know Jesus Christ, but also, uh, sins of believers, those who do know Jesus Christ, are born again, are, are children of God.
0: Well, I think one of the, the biblical um, consequences for sin, and it's obvi- the most obvious one, the most clear, is uh, quite simple. The, the consequence of sin is death. Uh, we see this uh, throughout God's word, but the, the clearest is Romans 6, uh, 23, of course, where it says the wages or the consequence of sin is death um and and that's true uh, of of everyone from the moment they're born that's a consequence it's death but then of course the the verse goes on to give hope to those who have uh have their trust in Jesus and it says the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our lord and so of course that means as believers we will not face that death that consequence for sin because uh, in a spiritual sense because Jesus paid that price for us. He he paid that penalty when he died on the cross and and rose again. And uh and that really is, of course, the the worst of the consequences for sure, no doubt about it. Uh the the greatest consequence. But again, why is the consequence so serious? Well, if we go back, it's because sin is so serious. When we remember that it's rebellion against God, that uh that as as Pastor Jay kind of painted that picture. It's like, you know, it's more than even just a slap in the face to to like a loving father. It's, it's way, way, way worse than that. Uh, then we understand, well, and, and God is just. He has to punish sin. Of course, there's going to be harsh, harsh consequences for sin, such as spiritual death.
1: Yeah. And in Romans chapter two, it also just um, expands a little bit about what that involves because death of course is is ultimately separation from from God but it's also his active wrath his active justice being let out in judgment so Romans 2 5 says because of your hard and impenitent hearts you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed so death and judgment um, the the main primary, Consequences of sin, which, of course, started in, as we saw last week in Genesis 3, mm-hmm. right, as God had warned. But also then there's there's further consequences of that. And, and one of them is slavery. Because of sin, we are slaves, Jesus says, to sin and to Satan. He says in uh, John 8, verses uh. 8 834 to to 36, Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Now he goes on later to say that in him, we can be set free, right? And that's that's part of the, the gift of eternal life. We're set free from the penalty of sin, right? Through faith in Jesus, no longer are we under that penalty, but also from the power of sin. It no longer has dominion over us. And we can actually progressively be released from that power in our life through the word of God. Then he goes on to say that actually, it's even worse than that by by our, by nature we are also slaves to satan and in fact he says in verse 44 you are of your father the devil your will is to do your father's desires satan's desires and so we're enslaved apart from jesus to sin and to satan to do uh, sins bidding to do the will of satan that's serious i mean that's that's harsh i mean we hear that really like if in sin we're children of the devil apart from salvation through jesus christ and yeah that's that's the reality um, it's it's that severe but but sin also just affects us in, in other ways what are, what are a few others?
0: yeah well uh, it certainly affects our relationships with other people and just affects other people in general mm-hmm. uh, and and we see so many examples of this in the Bible I think right away of you know the, the sin that Judas committed uh, obviously that affected his relationship with the disciples with Jesus it affected them and their lives consider Peter's uh, sin. When he was showing favoritism towards the the Jews over over the Gentiles, mm. which Paul addresses in in Galatians, well, uh, obviously that had a huge effect on Peter's relationship with the Gentile believers. Peter's relationship with Paul, I would guess, as well, um, and and in general, just uh, you know, with with even the Jews as well, just uh, you know, it, it impacted so many people. It's a this ripple effect, and we notice that throughout the Bible that sin. Uh, the, the consequences aren't always just on us. Um, mm-hmm. you know if that were the case, you know obviously that'd still be horrible but but the one of the terrible things about sin is that it does have this ripple effect. It affects so many people in like these concentric circles mm-hmm. outside of it and uh, and it's it's a terrible thing and, and it's a, a reason uh, I think that we see that all sin ultimately is selfishness and and is pride because we're not thinking about who it affects. We're thinking about me and I'm on the throne of my life right now. And I want to choose what's right and what's wrong. And you're not thinking at all about God or about others.
1: Yeah, it's breaking the great commandment. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And it affects us and others at every level. It affects our minds, right? Our minds become corrupted and darkened, as you see in Romans one. It affects the will so that we're unable to do ultimately what is good because we're not doing it ultimately in pure love for God and others. Um, it affects our emotions. You think about read a number of the Psalms that talk about that, how um, I can read Psalm Psalm 36, maybe one of the 30s um, where David, I believe, is, is saying when I didn't confess my sin, when I hit it, um, it, it caused me to be an emotional turmoil. And it, it affects every part of us. It. So it can even affect our physical health. No, not always. First, uh, John 9, right? There's this man born blind. The disciples say, who sinned that he was blind? He's like, no, 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 that's not what happened here. Um, of course, living in a fallen sinful world, that's behind that, but not personal sins. But sometimes our personal sins can even affect our health and our well-being. We see that, it seems pretty clear in James 5. But it can even lead to death. Uh, you know, sometimes we think of Old Testament examples of that. But even in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 11, Paul warns that some of the believers there who were not sharing their food with others and were taking part in communion, the Lord's supper in a wrong, selfish way, sinful way, that some of them were dying because they weren't worshiping God properly. And so sin affects all of us. And it's for that reason, just as a, as a final word, it's for that reason why we do not hesitate to preach what the scriptures say and teach what the scriptures say on sin. You know, a lot of people today in ministry want to soft pedal sin because it, obviously it's uncomfortable. People don't want to hear about it, but that is not what we can do. If we're going to be faithful and teach the whole counsel of God, we must teach about sin. After all, it is dangerous. It is deadly. How could we not? And I just want to close with this, this story. Um, In the early 1900s, the Australian pastor by the name of Henry Howard preached a strong message on sin. And afterwards, one of the Leaders in the church said, Mr. Howard, we don't want you to talk as plainly as you do against sin. Call it a mistake, if you will, but do not speak so plainly about sin. Howard then apparently took down a small bottle and he showed it to the man. It was a bottle of strychnine and it was marked poison. He said, I see what you want me to do. You want me to change the label. Suppose I take the label of poison off this bottle and put some mild labels, such as essence of peppermint. Don't you see what happens? The milder you make your label, the more dangerous you make your poison. We want to preach, again, and teach the whole counsel of God. That includes sin, and we hope and we trust that uh, this podcast, just looking through a little bit about the basic concepts of sin and its consequences has been uh, helpful, but also I would trust, as it was for us, convicting too, Mm -hmm. and also grateful, grateful for the good news of Jesus Christ and that he has saved us from his from our sin through his life, death, and resurrection. Well, that's, I think, a good place to end. Yeah, I agree. With the gospel. Join us next time. Uh, We'll be discussing chapters 36 and 37, which cover the doctrines about the inheritance and imputation of sin. Until then, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit abide with you now and forever. So long. See ya.